Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. So I've, you may have noticed, for those that have been in the last couple of meetings, like the, the night of prayer, keep coming with this psalm. And uh, so I'd just like to, to start with Psalm uh, 45. Uh, just read a few verses to you. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty, and your majesty ride forth victoriously. In the cause of truth, humility, and justice, let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia from palaces adorned with ivory. The music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honoured women. At your right hand is the royal bride in gold of Ophir. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honour him, for he is your lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favour. All glorious is the princess. Within her chamber, her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her. Those brought to be with her, led in with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. And I kind of really, this is a messianic psalm, um, and... Uh, lots of people, commentators talk about, talk about this psalm, and it's about Jesus and the church, the bride of, of Christ. And I've sort of been asking God, what is it? <laughs> what is it that you, you want to say through this psalm? And a sense that, that what, what, what God is wanting to say is that the king is coming. That's what he's wanting to say. The king is coming. He's coming for the church. He's coming for the bride. And the king carries authority. The king carries his kingdom. And it's this aspect of Jesus that a sense that he is wanting to bring to us his church, that he is the king and he has, he has authority. The king is, is coming. Um, so what does that mean for us, the church? Well, it says, listen, daughter, pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honour him, for he is your lord. When Abby got got married in Germany, um, there was no ceremony for giving the bride away. And so Darren insisted that there was and changed the whole German institution of marriage. (laughs) 
Um, and so they, and, and, and in fact, they emphasized it even more for him. <laughs> so he walked up onto the platform with, with Abby and everything. You had, had a great time. <laughs> but Abby was given away. And Jesus calls his church to leave and to cleave. To leave your areas of brokenness and to cleave to the authority of the king in your life. That means that the kingdom of God is in your life. And we can't talk about a nice little Jesus (laughs) because the king is calling you to leave, to leave behind and to recognize the authority of the king. Um, He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a question for the church of the authority of Jesus in our lives. That's what it is. It's a question for the church of the authority of the king. Are you desiring King Jesus? Are you hungry for his authority um, in, in your life? Um, I visited the uh, Walker Art Gallery this week, and you're going to notice a little bit. I do apologize for this. But um, the next picture <laughs> is a picture called The Broken Bride, uh, and it's from the, the, Walker, the Walker Art Gallery. Um, and so Manu said something on Seedbed this week. He said, our intimacy informs our conversation with Jesus. I'll say that again. Our intimacy informs our conversation with Jesus, our, informs our intercession, because that's what it is, our conversation, our prayer with Jesus. And we leave and we cleave. The purpose of God's kingdom is that we seek God with all our heart. The bride recognizes that she can come to Jesus because she sees that he is who he is. We can come to the king. We recognize his authority. There is a wholeness. Holiness means wholeness. Working out. Principle working out in your life. But we can look at our brokenness in the process of that. And God sometimes disciplines us to keep us near the cross in that process and he removes some of our control some of wanting to be in charge um, because we, we, we like to feel that don't we at times in our lives and in the light of that God sometimes allows things or events in our lives and they break our confidence in our ability to control and regulate our lives In Psalm 71, it says, Though you made me see troubles, 
many and bitter. You will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. And the psalmist from a a place of thanksgiving and, and love is acknowledging that God loves us deeply Yet he allows us to go through times of of pain and frustration. Let's listen to Paul in Corinthians. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. Jesus is the king. Um, And we have cracks and broken places in our lives. And sometimes, instead of looking at Jesus, we dig around in them instead. And we look at them and we see the dirt and we see the, the brokenness. But we're not recognizing as the bride the authority of the king over our lives. Because his authority takes our brokenness and changes our brokenness. Because what did it say in the psalm? The king is enthralled by your beauty. And you might think, what? Those things in my life? Yet those places in my life, Jesus changes those places into places of beauty. He works in those broken places and he brings the living water of refreshment into those broken places. It's like there's cracks in your life and those cracks allow the Holy Spirit to come through and to flow through your life and over your life. Because he is the king. Bride, look at Jesus. Don't dig. Come to him and allow him to cleanse you and to change you and to transform you. But it's the authority issue in the church It's the authority issue of the king. We need to deal with that issue in our lives. The authority of the king. So he turns our brokenness into places of refreshing as we surrender to to him. Jesus says about the heart in Matthew 13. Remember when Jesus, uh, when Jesus said, you will ever be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. 
For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Wow, Jesus is a good king. We can trust him with our lives. We can come to him. We don't need to run from him. We can come to him because we know who he is. The heart is uh, that place, isn't it? It's that, that hidden part of us. And our ears and our eyes are gateways, if you like, to, to the heart. Uh, and keeping an open heart um, to God is is key. The heart is, is is that hidden part of us, and it's our kind of mental and moral uh, activity, our rational and emotional part of us. Um, it says in the heart is the inward life of man, and it's where that um, sin is kind of put a system within us, a, a broken system uh, within us. Um, and that is in, in the heart. And, and, and that's also where we are transformed by God, where God gives us that new heart when we come to the king, when we come uh, into that relationship with Jesus. And, it, and God knows the heart. Uh, it's that hidden part of us. Um, it's, it's a place where we worship. It's a place of thoughts, imagination, Understanding, and there's, there's all scriptures that that point to to the heart. Um, the importance of having an open heart and listening, and having a soft heart. Jonathan Edwards um, talked about that. Jonathan Edwards was someone who experienced a revival, and um, he talked about the heart as carrying the religious affections, um, which kind of cuts through the idea of religion being an external thing because the Bible talks about um, the the way it describes uh, our affections to God, our inward, our inward. So it's our heart that responds to God and is changed. John Piper has said this, uh, the signs of hunger for God, if we don't feel strong desires, for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is, or for seeing the King, uh, seeing the authority of God, seeing who Jesus is, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied, it is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our souls are stuffed with small things. And there is no room for the great. That's quite a, a good quote from, uh, from John Piper. Um, we need, uh, one of the things that, that Andy said was when we were sharing about being hungry for God, was to, he wanted to know more. Um, and we need to be hungry, but to be hungry for who Jesus is. And this is who he is. He's the king and he has authority. 
in, uh, I want to talk now about two characters that have encountered the king, okay, uh, in, in the Bible. The first is in Luke 5, 1 to 11. So, Luke chapter 5 and 1 to 11. So it says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. Come on. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter was a rough fisherman guy. And, uh, you know, he had a fisherman's mindset. And, you know, it's like, listen, Jesus, you teach a person, you. My boys and I, we're professionals. <laughs> um, we know where the fish feed. Uh, and uh, they're along the shore. And the best time to catch them is at night. Um, that's why we're fishing. We were fishing all night last night. We're not stupid, Jesus. We've just worked all those fishing areas and caught nothing. And we are beyond tired. In fact, we've stayed awake for you <laughs> so that we can take you out on this, on this boat. Um, and um, you can imagine, can't you, uh, Peter, you know, you rabbis think that you know everything. Uh, and you're asking us to fish now in the day. But we will do this uh, for you. And Jesus approaches Peter, doesn't he, at Peter's greatest strength, which is his fishing. He knows how to fish. And what shocks Peter is, yes, the miraculous fish, but also someone who makes a choice, a different choice to him. His way of thinking is completely challenged by Jesus because he makes a choice between people and God and money. For Peter, fishing all night, every night, he's making money. He works day in, day out to make a living to catch fish. But this Jesus person, um, he cares more about people and about, about God than money. And Peter faces himself. He is face to face with his own priorities. His priorities are challenged at the deepest level. And 
he sees things. He sees himself. Um, Peter sensed that he was in the presence of holiness. A bit like Isaiah. That he was unclean. And that Jesus should avoid him. Because he was unclean. He was filled with awe. And he was afraid. And Peter starts, doesn't he, in this passage with boss, chief, teacher. That's how he uh, says, calls him. And he finishes with Kyrios, Lord. Um, He closes his speech. And this is the first time the word sinner is used in Luke's gospel. Jesus is the saviour that seeks and saves the lost. The lost. And Jesus says to Peter that he's going to be catching fish. Not fish that are going to die, but live fish. People, just like he's seen him do. And Peter responds, this is the point to the authority of Jesus. Peter's encounter with him includes the king. Includes The authority issue in his life, who's in charge, Jesus is in charge. And when we walk with Peter, obviously we see him transformed at Pentecost, but Peter understands the authority of Jesus and what that means for the church. If you think about it, he spent three years with the Son of God the king. And Peter understands when we fast forward into the church, planting the church, the authority of Jesus, what it means to get ready for the king. And so when we move into the things that Peter says to us, the bride, the church, he says, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, there it is, and sprinkled with his blood. Repentance is a lifestyle. Um, a Holy Spirit at work in our lives, making us holy. Um, and then he says in, in chapter 2, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Grow. Peter is passionate about a vision fixing your eyes on Jesus, on who he is. He's passionate about that, about the church. They will, in 2 Peter 1.8, when he lists a lot of qualities, he says, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in what? In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He finishes the letter by saying, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Takes us back, doesn't it, to Psalm 45. The King is, is coming. Peter is clear that we need to come to Jesus. We have access to him, the king. We have access to to his authority in our lives. 
Paul in Acts 9. Um, he says in Philippians, For me to live is Christ, to die is, is gain. How does this guy get to that point? He encounters the king, the authority of God in his life and settles that issue um, in, in his life. On, in Acts 9, he is blinded by a light. He's um, on his way to Damascus. I'm not going to read this one because that's going to take time. But Acts 9, Saul wasn't hungry for God. He was sovereignly um, taken um, by God. He, he um, was in a place of being of mental hatred and hostility. His heart was not um, looking for God. And the word that is used is a bit like a wild and ferocious beast. That was um, Saul before he met Jesus uh, and had an encounter, had his encounter with um, the king. And um, so it's a bit like a, a wild, a wild animal. Later in Damascus, it, it says he was he caused havoc in Jerusalem. And um, he was breathing out murderous threats, a bit like a wild beast. And um, Calvin talks of Paul and says that he's like a, a cruel wolf being turned into a sheep who became a, a shepherd. And in Paul's own language, later on, he says it, he was like a raging fury um, that had obsessed him. And he was on his way to Damascus, uh, which is 150 miles. And... Um, he was out to to take followers of Jesus and put them uh, in prison. And he was blinded by a light. He met with the risen Jesus. And um, he was blinded um, by that experience. Uh, the now glorified Jesus. And the voice he heard was the voice of, of Jesus. And Paul completely turned around and went in a different direction. And, and he says of his experience in Philippians 3.12, Christ took hold of me or seized me. Um, and he uses things like, let there be light. Um, that was uh, kind of like what my experience was in, in Genesis. And he says in Timothy that um, it was like coming over him like a flood, flooding his heart with faith and love. And Paul, he was a clever, rational person. Um, but he encountered Jesus and he completely turned uh, around and went in a different direction. Paul had an encounter with King Jesus. He met him. He realized who Jesus was. Paul had received an understanding of the authority of, of God. And when we shift, these two characters are probably the main players in the church, the bride or the founding of, of the church in Acts, these two characters, which is very interesting, isn't it? That they are impacted by the king and the authority of God and then how they translate that into the New Testament and into their letters and how they want to get that across to us, the bride, 
his church, of the authority of Jesus. And so let's follow um, Paul and Sarah. (laughs) Sarah read Ephesians earlier. and That's Paul's view of Jesus. You can understand it, can't you? That's how Paul sees Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And um, we're just going to read Colossians. There's another, another one of his, one of his writings, uh, Colossians. I'm just going to read the verses there to you. The vision of Jesus, who he is, the authority of the king for the church. Colossians 1, uh, 15. I'll just find that for you. This is what he says. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And this is it. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. And the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And, and it goes on. Paul had a vision, an understanding of the authority of Jesus. And we need to come to this Jesus with our hunger. Um, Paul wants to present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's, that's his heart. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul has a clear fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's because he's come to know the King. And he settled the authority issue in his life. And like Paul, the bride, the church, we need to encounter the king and the authority of the king and to surrender our lives to him. And Jesus is amazing. Um, He understands, he displays unlimited patience with Paul and he He's such an encouraging example, isn't he, of God's grace uh, to us. That we can come to this king who has a heart for his bride, for the church. The king is enthralled by your beauty. That should be a massive motivator for you to run to the king. To run to his good authority in your life. And in every area of, of your life. I'm running out of time, unfortunately. Um, but maybe fortunately for you. <laughs> um, 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6, which is Paul, again. Uh, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This suggests to us 
that repentance is needed in our hearts. Remember, our thoughts are in, a, in our hearts. In order for us to be wholehearted, our hearts must recognize who Jesus is and recognize his authority for us to be able to deal with and fight in the way that he wants us to fight, to fight those strongholds in our thinking. Our hearts need to first recognize the authority of the king. And Paul says that we must destroy reasonings and anything that lifts itself up against the knowledge of God. You know, we, we like to build reasons, don't we? And it's like our thoughts, they run beyond, they can run beyond the word of God. They run out from us. And then what happens is there are some reasons that gather around our thought And that might be conversations we might have or whatever it is. And a stronghold forms around that thought. And what we need to do is like what Anne talked about before, is to take the sword of the spirit, is to act in the right way out of love and to pray and to disarm those reasons, take them apart Take that thought and bring it back to Jesus and to his authority. That's our job. So Paul is still being the wild animal in a little way. He's still capturing things. But now he's telling us it's our thoughts. We need to bring our thoughts back to King Jesus and to his and to his um, authority. And that's spiritual warfare. The, the, the word that is used um, for that sets itself up is like a tall building. It's like a skyscraper. So those strongholds become like a skyscraper that block out your view of who Jesus is and the truth of who you are as his bride, as the bride of Christ. So pulling down strongholds. And Peter Peter, uh, goes through that process um, of of pulling down, uh, of seeing that stronghold dismantled so that he can come to Jesus. And and Satan imprisons us in our reasonings. um, And we can be behind defensive lines that is not the truth of who we are or who Jesus is in, in our lives. And so we take our thoughts captive um, as part of our submission and our understanding that we are the bride and we're coming to Jesus. We're running. We're running to Jesus. We're coming to him. We're running. We're running we're running to his authority. We're not, we're not staying in those places. We're coming. We're coming to him. And in Acts 3, 19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord, who is the King. That he may send the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. 
And finally, I just want to say, um, again, my little walk around the art gallery this week, I came across a statue of the virgins, the two virgins in Matthew 25. Um, And you know the story of the ten virgins. Five were foolish and five were wise. uh, And five had enough oil. And it says of them that um, the door was shut and the the five that tried to get in, Jesus says, "I, I didn't, I don't know you. I don't, I don't know you. And then it says, watch and, and watch for the king. And so the bride is called to be waiting for King Jesus, for his authority, especially now in what is happening, especially now. The authority of King Jesus is key in this season for the church and for you in your life. Get hold of that issue and come to the King. And the amazing thing is that we, the Spirit, we get to say what exactly the Holy Spirit says. Isn't that amazing? We get to say what the Holy Spirit says because we know Jesus, because we come, we run to Jesus and we know him, we experience him, we know his goodness, we know his authority. We turn round and we say to the world, come, 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 here is healing, here is restoration, here is forgiveness, here is acceptance, here is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit over your lives. Come. We're saying the same thing to the world as the Holy Spirit. That's the position that we're in as the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. What a privilege that we have. So I'm closing there and, um, here ends the tour of the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.